Welcome back to the Out of Control podcast. We're your hosts, Nini and Amber. And in this episode, we're going to be paying a little bit of a tribute to the Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month. All right. So, Asian American Pacific Heritage Month, it goes way back. There's a long history to it. What we celebrate in the histories and cultures and all the contributions that Asian American and Pacific Islander communities have contributed to our societies, it wasn't always this way. And it came about in our long history from it. So starting off, Jeannie Jew, a former congressional staffer, approached Representative Frank Horton about it following the bicentennial celebration in 1976. And then in 1977, Horton and Rep. Norman Y. Minetta introduced a resolution to the U.S. House of Reps to proclaim the first 10 days of May as Asian Pacific Heritage Week. So it actually only started off as a week celebration. Mm. And it took about 13 years for it to become a month-long recognition. Mm -hmm. In 1990, George H.W. Bush signed a bill passed by Congress to extend the week to a month. And then finally, on May 14th, 1991, a public law was passed unanimously to recognize May officially as Asian Pacific Heritage Month. And May was chosen as a way to commemorate the first wave of Japanese immigrants to the U.S. on May 7th, 1843, and it also marks the completion of the Transcontinental Railroad on May 10th, 1869, where the majority of the workers were Chinese immigrants who lay tracks in very harsh conditions for very little pay. Man, what a win it was for that week-long celebration to become a whole month. Mm -hmm. And even then, there's a lot of hardships and things that as a group we've had to overcome in order for us to get to this point. And I think it's important to note all of the struggles and the different experiences that each ethnic group within the Asian American Pacific community has endured in order to understand truly the stories and our um, backgrounds. Yeah, it's so common for Asians to be lumped into one huge umbrella category where they all see us as the same. But in reality, there's so many ethnic groups and diversity just in Asians. Mm-hmm. And that's why the model minority myth is so harmful but it's often used to categorize and stereotype us Mm -hmm. as asians Mm -hmm. many times i mean growing up i didn't know the term model minority but it sounds so positive right yeah like you are the model to be Mm -hmm. Um, who doesn't want to be somebody to be looked up to like an idol yep i mean especially growing up you look to someone to look up to right as children and to be regarded as the model you have that sense of oh what i'm doing and who i am is right and nothing else is correct Mm -hmm. and the model minority is very harmful in many 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 ways but there are a couple that we want to really highlight that has proven to be damaging to a broader group of asian american and pacific islander communities um historically starting out asians weren't really welcomed in america in fact there were legislations and laws that prohibited some groups of people and that's really where our roots 
are in relation to Asians in the U.S. I mean, even to this day, sometimes we're unwelcomed. Oh, yeah. Not even just in the country itself, but sometimes in specific restaurants. Mm-hmm. And other establishments. Racism definitely exists to this day very prevalently, unfortunately. And this myth, it does a lot of things. But one thing that it does is it perpetuates a narrative in that Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders are, you know, the model to be as they're polite, law-abiding people in groups of families that have achieved higher level of success than most of the population which like we said it lumps us into one group as opposed to differentiating us from different diverse ethnicities which can be very harmful in many ways especially in like the education system i know i've experienced this before where my teachers seem to expect more from me because i'm asian and it wasn't just once or twice it was spread out throughout my whole educational career i think i also like intrinsically just felt the pressure to do better yeah especially in math and science dude the stereotype that you must be good at math and science because you're asian you have no idea how many times people have approached me with that exact sentence Mm -hmm. and obviously it puts pressure on you to achieve that if not you're you're seen as like a failure yeah like oh you're not a real asian if you're not good at math Or if you're Asian, you're going to become a doctor, Mm -hmm. which isn't always the case. And to generalize what may happen with certain group of Asian ethnicities and encompass that as the whole group is incorrect. It's wrong. The model minority stereotype is harmful because it also drives a wedge between Asians and other minorities and people of color. As Frank Chen said of Asian Americans in 1974 in one of his books, and I quote, whites love us because we're not black. And Mm -hmm. that's that kind of hits home a little bit because Mm -hmm. you kind of do see it happening in real time because white people loved Asian people because they saw us as politically silent and ethnically assimilable. Mm. Um, this is especially after the Cold War. So it's always been about power and who they can control. So the model minority, according to Frank Chin, has less to do with the success of Asian Americans than to the perceived failure or worse refusal of African Americans to assimilate. And this is what we're talking about with pitting minorities against other minorities. It doesn't create a sense of unity. It creates further distance between different groups of people who all live the American experience in different ways. And when early Asian immigrants came over here, their only goal was to have a better life for their future families. Mm -hmm. And if in order to do so, it was to assimilate, that's what they did. That was a way to survive. It was definitely a survival mechanism. Mm -hmm. And Um, I think now we're recognizing that it's basically a power play and that we shouldn't be trying to camouflage ourselves and pretend that we're another ethnicity just to fit in yeah to blend in with the majority Mm -hmm. in hopes of not being sectioned out as a minority Mm -hmm. i mean not only is the model minority targeted to mainly asians but it also perpetuates harmful sentiments to other minorities in our communities so positioning 
us as a group, as beneficiaries of the American dream, which a lot of our ancestors and even our parents moved to the U.S. for, it ignores very prevalent acts of discrimination against Asians, like the Chinese Exclusion Act of 1992, the Japanese internment of the 1940s during the war, and the mass lynchings in the 19th century. And it suggests that the U.S. has always been a welcoming place, which hasn't for Asian descent. <laughs> clearly. Um, clearly. And those sentiments still exist today, you know, not as prevalent, but there's still lingering generations from those times that obviously are fixed in their ways of thinking and way they see the world. But times are changing, generations are changing, but it also disregards the pay disparities. How much one person gets paid compared to another? And data shows that there are pay disparities across all Asian groups. For example, a Chinese woman can get paid more than a Polynesian woman or a Japanese woman in the same type of work. But because they're a different ethnicity, we get paid differently. Same goes with, obviously, whites versus Asian American Pacific Islander groups. They still exist to this day, and that's why it's important for us to speak out and to recognize these differences. Data also shows that Bhutanese Americans, which are a small minority Asian American group in the U.S., have higher rates of poverty than other Asians, such as Japanese Americans. So disparities and differences exist in our massive Asian Asian American Pacific Islander communities and to kind of erase that and lump us into one specific group is very harmful in many ways. It's harmful to an individual's identity. We're not seen as individual people, we're just seen as a group of people mm -hmm, that all fits into one mold. mold. Um, and there's also a lot of colorism and classism in every community mm -hmm. where for us light-skinned Asians are seen as more successful and what you want to achieve compared to darker-skinned Asians. Mm -hmm. um, and th this isn't just in the states, I feel like. This is also in Asia itself, mm -hmm. where at least I know in China, what you think of a light-skinned versus a dark-skinned Chinese person is you want to be fair-skinned because it shows that you're able to stay inside all day because you're not working in the fields. Mm. And that means that you have money. And if you have darker skin, that means you're out on the farm all day working, farming. Mm. And that shows poverty. And I think a lot of Asian immigrants have carried that thought to the States as well. Mm -hmm. But even then, for some reason, being more fair-toned is just seen as more desirable than being darker skinned. That's also just very harmful to any individual yeah because you can't sometimes you can't control your skin tone it couldn't be more farther from the truth you know mm -hmm. what if some people like to tan like mm -hmm. for a simple example that is no indicator to how successful a person may be or mm -hmm. not and in general skin color should not define any aspects of your future your success in any financial situation um society mm -hmm. so we're still fighting that fight for sure and i mean there shouldn't be like one model that all minorities should be striving to achieve and mm -hmm. to fit into the mold of we're all individuals and success is measured by so many different aspects 
Oh, yeah. So when it comes to understanding the different communities and the different ethnic groups and our shared stories and our different stories, it's important to educate yourself. There are a lot of culture and history and ancestry that our cultures can provide in order to understand where we've been where we've come from and what we've been through to understand where we are now. And especially for our other friends that don't understand our cultures, no matter who you may be, if you're not familiar with our cultures, just as it's important for us to understand cultures that we're not familiar with, to understand their stories and their challenges, we ask that you, especially in today's time, with such a rise in Asian hate prevalence in our society, it's important to understand why we got here to this place. So there's different ways that you can educate yourself and others around you, such as through art. Yeah, so there's been a lot of, I think there's been a rise of Asians in art Mm. and how we're not just, oh, we're all just going to become doctors anymore. (laughs) Be more creative. So this year in the movie world was historical for Asians all around the world. And, you know, many of you probably know Chloe Zhao became the first Asian American to win an Academy Award for Best Director for her film Nomadland, which also won Best Picture. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but Yoon Ya Jung made history as a first Korean woman to win Best Supporting Actress at the Oscars. And uh, last year with um, Parasite mm-hmm. winning so many awards, and even with Asians, you know, getting recognized for their hard work and their talent, they're still being asked ridiculous questions. (laughs) Like last year with Parasite, when the director was asked, why did you decide to film this in Korean? Like, hello? (laughs) He's Korean. Yeah. And a lot of people were saying, oh, it's because he'd made films in English before. And that's why he was asked that question. But it's still not a valid question to ask. Mm -hmm. Like... If an American director filmed something in Spanish or something, and then he made an English-speaking film that won awards, would you really be asking him, oh, why did you choose to film this in English? <laughs> like, it really, it just, it doesn't give credit to the art that they've made. Mm-hmm. And apparently, after Yoon Yeon Jung won her Oscar, she was asked, what did Brad Pitt smell like? What kind of question <laughs> is that to ask? And she had the perfect, most savage response, which was, I didn't smell him. I'm not a dog, dude. And it's just, you know, like you, there's so much better questions to be asking these award-winning recipients. The same way that these interviewers are asking questions to like American winners of Oscars, show the same type of respect and honor to the same recipients of the same award. Right. Like, you're really downplaying their hard work. And their achievement. Mm-hmm. And breakthrough, really. That's ridiculous. Yeah, but, I mean, other than these very, very good films, something that you can watch is The Farewell with mm-hmm. Aquafina. I haven't seen it, actually, but I heard it was really, really sad. And, I mean, I know what it's about. And it really tugs on my heartstrings specifically, too, because it is an experience that I think I have. Like, I think especially the older generation try to stay so strong for the younger generation. Mm-hmm. 
a lot of times, you know, we don't really like to talk about our feelings. Mm-mm. So I think we do more by showing rather than telling. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what the farewell shows. Yeah. Um, have you seen it? I'd like to say I watched it, but it was a while ago. So it's kind of like hazy. Mm-hmm. But I remember the plot of the story where mm-hmm. basically it's this Chinese family and Aquafina is a granddaughter. And so she gets to visit her grandmother in China for an occasion. Um, but that occasion turns out to be that her grandmother has a terminal illness, I think cancer. And so her character is trying to take all the time that she didn't get to have with her Chinese grandmother because she was raised in America and make that bridge before she does pass. I remember being able to relate because it seems as though we spend a lot of time with our families when there's something going on or something's ending, or somebody's sick, or, you know, those big life moments where time is of essence. So, yeah, I mean, it tugged at my heartstrings, too, because we do a lot of showing, not telling, or saying, and understanding our emotions. But yeah, that was a beautiful film to kind of just think about our own families, and the way that we approach heritage and our emotions. When I think about that film now, I really wish I had spent more time with my dad's mom before Mm. she passed. It opens a door to how Asians live and how we show our feelings Mm -hmm. and how sometimes just because we we don't explicitly say something doesn't mean we don't show it in different ways yeah and that's just a part of our culture Mm -hmm. and other than the farewell there's also pen 15 I think it's a comedy (laughs) I haven't seen it either Mm -hmm. but apparently it it shows how like middle school happened like really happened and there's some Asian actors in that Mm -hmm. There's the famous Joy Luck Club, Minari, and also Who Killed Vincent Chin, a documentary in 1988. And if you're not familiar with Vincent Chin, he was murdered in 1982 on the night that he was celebrating his upcoming wedding. So it was Mm -hmm. the night of his bachelor's party with his friends, and he ended up being beaten to death by two white men. Yeah, and what was particularly jarring about Vincent Chin's passing in story was that the men were upset by their perception that American auto jobs were being taken away by Japanese success during this time in the auto industry. And it's particular to note that Vincent Chin was not Japanese, he was Chinese. And of course, this happened at the height of the anti-Japanese sentiment in the U.S. And his case actually is very popular amongst the Asian American Pacific Islander community because his case was the first federal civil rights trial for an Asian American. So it inspired, you know, generations and new generations to get involved as activists, writers, storytellers, and to go into politics to change the legislations and policies that dictate how we rule on these trials. It sucks that he had to be a martyr. Yeah. He basically had to die for a movement to happen, which how can you trade a life for a movement? It shouldn't be that way. And it relates to how George Floyd is also kind of seen as a martyr mm-hmm. and how the trial that happened where Derek Chauvin was found guilty of all of the crimes and charges against him mm-hmm. and how 
now I guess finally there's a huge wave of people acknowledging the black experience in America. Mm-hmm. But why did it have to take a life for that to happen? It's never, you know, we've lost many, many minority lives throughout our history. And with each one, there's always a big wave of movement, revolution, and change, uh, which brings us one step closer to what we ideally want to achieve as a society. And while you can never, you can never trade a life for anything that comes out of it, while it's never right, these murders should never have occurred in the first place. The silver lining that comes out from their passings is a whole change in the way that we perceive minority groups and groups of oppression and discrimination and racism that is deeply entrenched in our country. And until we get to a point where our experiences are shared amongst almost all, if not majority of Americans, we are still on this fight and plight to make the change for better. And we're still on that. And it's unfortunate that we've had to, as a society, experience these passings of our minority brothers and sisters together because it's heartbreaking each and every time when we see those headlines come through. It's never easy and it, it shouldn't be that way. We should not be experiencing this as a group. Even in the two white men that were involved in Chin's murder, mm-hmm. one of them didn't spend a day in jail. Which just... <laughs> And the other was found guilty and sentenced to 25 years of prison. You know what the kicker is, though? Hmm. We found out that in their first original trial, these two men were both released. The judge presiding over the case the first time around, he gave them a fee of $3,000. They were put on probation and released from jail because the judge believed that these kinds of men don't belong in jail. What does that even mean? They literally murdered somebody to death with a bat. I'm telling you, you could literally get away with murder if you're if you're not a minority, if you're white. Literally. Understanding all of that sentiment and the history behind some of the murders, the big murders that our communities have gone through, is important to understand how do we move forward and how do we get better together because there's a lot of work to be done. You mean moving forward, there's been a big movement of educating ourselves and educating others Mm -hmm. in Asian American Pacific Islander heritage, our culture, Mm -hmm. and at least we're, you know, making progress. Yeah, it's good to see the progress and talking about all of the hate crimes and discrimination that is becoming even more prevalent recently amongst the AAPI communities. There's been such a huge push in support of stopping AAPI hate which is phenomenal. I mean, the more collective effort for a cause um, only makes it that much stronger. And I found this quote that I thought was really impactful, and it reads, you cannot be anti-racist without acknowledging the Asian American experience. To be a ally is to be anti-racist, right? You can't just be a bystander anymore that believes against racism. I think now, I feel like collectively we're coming out and speaking out a lot more 
than we used to, which is encouraging to see, honestly. Yeah, breaking the model minority myth. Yeah, breaking it. Real time. Shattering it. Mm -hmm. And there's been a lot of hate towards the Asian Pacific Islander community with COVID-19. With COVID-19, there's been a lot more Asian hate crime. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people think that it's new. It's a new phenomenon. We're only the victims of hate crimes recently. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> but clearly, as evidence, Vincent Chen, Asian hate crime has existed and perpetuated our lives far longer than what we think. And it just sucks that COVID happened during a time where an orange Cheeto was a president. And the way he dealt with it was just so childish. He did not help us. He perpetuated what the population saw and associated Asians as the cause of COVID-19. He encouraged the misunderstanding that Asians were the cause of the coronavirus outbreak, which is so damaging and so traumatic to, to us as a group living in the U.S., To call him the president was such a disgrace to me. Mm -mm. The fact that he called it the Kung Flu? You're joking. (laughs) It was traumatic to see that the president was basically inciting violence violence against our communities. I mean, he was basically handing the bullets to the people who could harm us. He was giving them permission to blame us and point fingers at us. Yeah, and the whole rumor that it started from a wet market in China just further perpetuated the, oh, like, Asians are so unsanitary stereotype Mm -hmm. of what they eat, which isn't true. No, it just further perpetuated the stereotypes Mm -hmm. that we've endured for history. Yeah, and I've, I've heard arguments where his intentions weren't towards Asian Americans in the U.S., it was just towards... China, which, first of all, that's not right either. Mm-mm. I don't care what your political problems are in that field right now. But when a virus like this outbreaks, it's really time to put politics aside and start putting humanity first. And whatever his intentions were to, I don't know, like if you really believe that it started in China or, you know, it was lab created and the Chinese government has something to do with it, like whatever, it was still harmful mostly to Asian Americans in the US Mm -hmm. because his messages probably weren't really getting heard in China. They were getting heard through all of his press conferences in the United States. For a long time, I was scared for my family when they went out i was scared of anything that could happen to them just in the broad daylight even and the thing that scared me the most was in texas when an asian american family was shopping at a grocery store and somebody just decided to shoot them and they shot like an eight-year-old child in the broad daylight he made them think that it was okay to be an executioner because of false information. Even to this day, and it's sad to say, my mom fears going, you know, even grocery shopping to Asian marts because she believes that there's going to be people who target these Asian marts. And she tells me that like she doesn't want to go alone. And in fact, she just wants to avoid it 
altogether and she only goes out of necessity not out of you know leisure or when she wants to go to the grocery shop and i mean i fear for my grandparents who live in las vegas too with the rise in hate crimes against elderly asian it's hard not to think about your own family and about their own safety and think about how they could be impacted and so all of this hate that's happening is causing a wave of change with collective effort and legislation that is being pushed to recognize the hate that we are experiencing and honestly it's hard to see our people getting hurt, getting verbally abused, slurs being thrown out. And every time I watch a new video of, you know, anti-Asian sentiment, it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. And it just makes me want to do more to stand up and support. But there are, you know, ways that we can support survivors and support all Asian American Pacific Islander communities. So there's some tips for those who may experience hate. So first off, safety is number one. Always make sure that you are safe and just trust your instincts and trust your gut feeling. And if it tells you that the situation is unsafe, just get out of there, just leave the area. Nothing is more important than your life. Nothing, absolutely. And try to stay as calm as possible because most likely the perpetrator is not calm they will probably be more violent aggravated aggravated towards you so it's important for you to keep calm so that you can get yourself out of that situation safely and if it seems uh, safe speak out denounce what the perpetrator is doing to you and a lot of people have gone viral by recording the hate that they've experienced and many times it's stripped the perpetrator of their titles their you know job and just created a wave of accountability so that tool is at your disposal record the happening and of course seek support hopefully there will be bystanders and bystander effect is real so mm. by actually asking them to help intervene in the situation can do a lot mm -hmm. um, like if you need somebody to help literally point at them and be like you know give them actions to take right and i've heard that a lot of the times just simply saying help actually mm -hmm. doesn't do anything yeah but if you scream fire people are more likely to come assess the situation <laughs> really yeah Oh my gosh. Okay, well then I guess next time we're going to be yelling fire. fire. <laughs> <laughs> You're not alone. Seek out support from people around you. Personally, seeing a lot of the hate crime videos, I've seen bystanders that step in and physically create a barrier between the perpetrator and the person. So it's heartwarming. And of course, once the ordeal is over and done with, it's important to also seek out emotional support if you need just take the time to recover and reach out to someone about what happened and talk through what you experienced and what you felt and how to overcome and come out okay over time and the same type of tips go for those who witness hate and so if you're a bystander if you're able to and if you assess the situation and it seems safe enough um, take action approach the targeted person and offer support and help in whatever ways they may need. It's important to actively listen and take in what they've experienced 
and respect their wishes of what to do next and the actions to take next. And if you can, using discretion, ignore the attacker because giving them more attention will only amplify their aggression. So attempt to stay calm and use neutral voice and body language. Don't try to make the situation worse. Yeah. Obviously, speak out for what you believe in and let them know that whatever they're saying, whatever their actions are, it's not okay. But the second that the situation looks like it's getting bad, get out of there. Just safety first, right? Mm -hmm. Your safety and everyone's safety is number one. Mm -hmm. And of course, offer emotional support as well for yourself and for the targeted person. And just help them figure out what they want to do next once you're in a safe situation there. But most importantly, use your best judgment and make sure everyone is safe. So speaking about the recent rise in AAPI hate, I think we should acknowledge how the Asian American Pacific Islander community has enriched communities in the States. Mm -hmm. I think one way that we as a ethnic group like to share our culture is through food. Yeah. We love food. We love our spices. Oh man. Food without spices is not food. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's great how Asian food has really been rising and becoming more prominent in the states i remember when my mom and dad first moved here especially to a very small town called victoria texas Mm. there's probably one asian place and it was an asian buffet (laughs) which doesn't really encompass like a true like asian cuisine restaurant Mm, not like back home no Mm -mm. but now there's been a bunch of different asian cuisine popping up and rising and becoming very popular like mainstream mm-hmm. even to the point where non-ethnic groups are enjoying them as much as ethnic groups are mm-hmm. so that's a big move and if that's a part of sharing our culture and our heritage and our ancestry you know mm-hmm. food is passed down from our generations my grandmother teaches me how to cook all of my favorite korean food all the time mm. And my mom also. Seriously, every single time I go back to Korea, I kid you not, I clean the plate. Because my grandmother, she just cooks the most amazing, amazing food. Mm. And I try to take that in to keep the culture alive so that I can cook it one day for myself, if anything. It'll become a way for you to remember your grandparents in the future. Yeah. Yeah. And other ways in our communities, we've brought on our own celebrations like, you know, Chinese New Year, Lunar New Year. Those are recognized in many American companies today. Like when I was at Zappos, we had like a full week-long celebration for Lunar New Year. We ordered Chinese food, and uh, I think we had like activities happening. I love that. Yeah. So representation really matters, mm-hmm. especially in a workplace where you have so many diverse people around. You know. Yeah. Diversity is another thing that we've enriched within our communities. Is different outlooks and perspectives on situations mm-hmm. that maybe someone from a non-ethnic group would not understand or see, and in media too, entertainment. There has been a rise in more Asian Pacific Islander representation within media, which only helps diversify the way that we see our community today. Mm -hmm. There's amazing Asian comedians. Yeah. 
<laughs> that are, you know, they're bringing a different side to what people see Asians as.、Mm -hmm. You know, we're not just the nerdy kid anymore. We're funny. <laughs> yeah, we're not just your math whiz、mm -hmm. or doctor.、Mm -hmm. So there's so many different amazing ways that our communities have brought their own taste and touch、mm -hmm. in America. You、yeah. know, in the U.S. I mean, even、um, in fashion and in clothing. Yeah, you know, a lot of brands that have been started by Asians that、mm -hmm. you know you, you, nobody knew of、mm -hmm. until now, or inventions by Asian Americans、mm -hmm. that have just simply made an everyday task so much easier to do, making life easier to live. I mean, technology is booming nowadays, and there's big. Companies, big tech companies like Nintendo. I the mean, the video game culture is so huge. Yeah, honestly, such a big thanks to Nintendo.、Mm -hmm. I mean, the Switch, the Nintendo Switch became、oh, so big, the lifesaver of 2020. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, even bringing along our language. And sharing our language and stories in our communities have also really enriched the perception of diversity. Did you know? The co-founder of YouTube is Asian, Steve Chen.、Mm、hmm. There's a lot of Asian impact in our community today. So, with the rise of Asian American Pacific Islander hate crimes, with the rise of COVID, and a lot of businesses being closed, there's a lot of ways to support the Asian American Pacific Islander community. And of course, this is a year-long thing. It doesn't have to only be in May. But there's like a bunch of small businesses you can support. Sustainable brands such as Rooted, A V R E, Essie, Happy Diaspora, Company Spices, Grace Day Apparel, Yuan Coffee Supply, and so much more that we can link to in our Instagram post. There's also Asian-founded brands such as M Cosmetics, started by our OG beauty YouTuber Michelle Pham, Backbeat Company, and Chelsea Mack. And there's you know there's so many more. Beyond supporting businesses, other ways to support is be involved in your local legislation. Talk to your congressman and congresswoman. About some of the important policies that are impacting the Asian American Pacific Islander communities in your jurisdiction, be involved in the news, just being kept up to date, and knowing what your Asian American Pacific Islander colleagues are experiencing and going through, and empathizing、mm -hmm. with their experience. Yeah, opening up dialogue with them, conversations with them,、mm -hmm. and just you know being more open to learning and、yeah. educating yourselves about our experience. And if there's something that you don't understand, it's okay to ask questions, right? Never should we look down on somebody who doesn't necessarily know everything about us.、Mm -hmm. But I mean, we don't know everything about every other culture. We're still learning every single day. Oh yeah. So getting to know us. Is another way to support and joining us as allies and being a voice, even if it means sharing a post, reposting, or you know checking in on your Asian American Pacific Islander friends and seeing how they're feeling and how they are. So definitely different ways that you can support and become a voice. In being an ally with us, there is also resources that you can look into for your own research and education, such as the AsianPacificHeritage.gov or SmithsonianAOA.org/stand. There's also 
organizations that you can look into, such as the National Asian Pacific American Women's Forum or the Red Canary Song. And if you're looking for some place to donate, um, check out Stop AAPI Hate, AAPI Women Lead, Asian Americans Advancing Justice and Asian Women Alliance, and so much more. In recognition of Asian American Pacific Heritage Month, it's important to recognize our different cultures as unique, different experiences, and know that there are so many histories and stories and cultures and challenges that we as separate different ethnic groups overcame to be here today. And while we ask for solidarity and support against hate in our communities, during this month of recognition, we invite you to celebrate our amazingly beautiful cultures and contributions to enrich our communities and American history today. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to this episode of out of control pod we hope that within the short amount of time we've talked through some of the history and you know the hate that has been put towards our communities today and all of the rich history that we have to offer as a group has informed you a little bit more about where we come from and our stories and our backgrounds. And if you have any questions, any further questions that you'd love to understand a bit better, please send us a DM or a message and we'd be happy to to chat. Remember, our episodes drop every Mondays and Thursdays. Follow us on Instagram and Spotify at Out of Control Pod. And we hope to see you next time. Thank you.